beautiful fucks. In this episode of the Becoming Human podcast, we have Brett from Inquire Within Reality, an acoustic death metal band. I got to listen to a couple of his tracks from his up-and-coming album, and the music is like a hallucinogenic adventure that has you come into terms with a wide array of conspiracy theories from UFOs to Illuminati and the interdimensional space themes. I've always been really skeptical of this shit, and I have no clue what to make of it. So I'm just kind of figuring out as I go along, and I want to go into it from an objective point of view and try to understand its cultural implications, because it kind of seems to go beyond, um, how would you say, there's like a whole subgroup, there's people who spend a vast majority of their time um, researching these things and speaking with other people and generating these kind of hypotheses. Um, and I think the internet's really exacerbated that. I also think it's kind of appealing in some way, too, because when I was a kid, I used to get into conspiracy theories a lot, and, um, I don't know, there's that feeling of alienation or knowing something that other people didn't know that was really attractive, I think, uh, along with also belonging to something that was kind of almost elitist in a way, even though people didn't regard it as, oh my god, you know that? But being different anyway in this episode um, I really got to understand the appeal of belonging to or clinging to a group and the feeling of camaraderie that we all seek and its fundamental presence in the pursuit of fulfillment anyways let's get to the fucking aliens and sorry i don't think we talked about reptiles in this episode but you can get in touch and follow inquire within reality on facebook and instagram as at inquire within reality but before we start here's their song blood moon and no it's not about periods you fucks Begins to warp and change Stand 
endless options Simultaneously I exist everywhere Multiverses Endless options sort of stuff that aren't into the conspiracy world giving them cool music some metal Mm -hmm. some acoustic stuff all sorts of genres and then i'm just hoping that at least some of them will be like oh that's cool music but what he's saying is really nuts Mm -hmm. i want to look into that yeah and then hoping that that kind of plants the seed in their head to start exploring all this stuff mm-hmm. and doing their own research on it. Cause that's one of the main things when you're dealing it in, in the UFO or esoteric sort of subjects is there's so many people with so many agendas all saying so many different things in regards to the noise it. to signal ratio. Yeah. yeah and exactly. so you have to, like, I can't go out and tell everyone, yes, everything I said in this album is fact and true. And, uh, yeah, exactly. So I want people to do your own research. And it's, yeah, that's another way of engaging the people in a lot of ways, in my opinion. Because what I think is you run into a lot of the time is that you're appealing to a certain demographic. Mm-hmm. And, um, with, especially with conspiracy theories, there's, uh, you appeal to a certain demographic. And so someone who's going to be seeking out the conspiracy of Pizzagate and so on and so forth, they're either going to hear that because either a friend's told them or they're going to hear it because they saw it on the news, which is not very likely, but, Mm -hmm. or they're really interested in that and they always look at that stuff. So that's what I like is that using music or any form, any art form to be able to communicate these ideas to people who would not seek them out originally, because that's once again, that's the only way we can implement, um, I guess, 
different perspectives mm-hmm. and uh, concepts into our society because there's a lot of cool things that even if you uh, a little bit tangential, but if you go back in historically, like in the eighties and the nineties, they have really cool books. Like there's a, a couple books about sugar and why um, sugar is really really horrible for your health, and it contradicts a lot of the things that we were told at that mm-hmm. time as well. Like eat margarine because butter is bad for you. And those books kind of went unheard of because you would have to already, you know, be in it, be in the thick of it. And so making music and stuff like that, pushing, not pushing these ideas, rather um, exposing people who are interested in music to these ideas in a way that's actually entertaining. That's that's awesome. And I am interested to see the kind of audience that you engage. Like I've even seen your, um, I went, did a little bit of homework and I was looking at through like Facebook and mm-hmm. stuff like that and just looking at... Um, kind of the not just the demographics you appeal to but the community that you have and it was really interesting too because I kind of felt like you, you couldn't really pigeonhole someone in, yeah. in that sense and that makes me hopeful because um, often like I'll come out with concepts and I'll try to talk to people and they'll turn off because they're like oh god this guy's so boring because the way that I'm going about it and it's the same with comedy, too, because stand-up comedians are educating people in a way that is very interesting, and people aren't there to learn, they're there to laugh, but they're conveniently learning. Yeah, yeah, and that's, yeah. comedy, that's something that I do want to start utilizing. I've got a music video that I've got coming out real soon. Mm-hmm. It was made from this director, Richard Craner, and he just did a movie called Starleaf, and it... It's a comedy horror kind of stoner movie. Oh yeah, and, um, like Cabin in the Woods kind of thing. It's about these people who they're veterans from Afghanistan, uh-huh. and they have PTSD, and they're trying to deal with that. Okay. And so they drive out to the Olympic Peninsula in Washington, and there's this guy who. He's growing star leaf, or it's a map to the star leaf, which is this extraterrestrial weed. Oh my gosh, I like the premise. And he gives them the map, and they go (laughs) off to it, and they find it, but there's rules. You can't break the rules of this garden, and they break the rules, and so then they need to have their karma balanced, and so the aliens come, and it just, it gets pretty funny and crazy it's a cool movie it's ridiculous but i love it awesome so the music video that i just had done for my song dimensional bleed through is clips from that movie Mm -hmm. he contracted with me so i can kind of cross promote so yeah so even though this is epic movie shots and so it looks like a very professionally done music video Mm -hmm. And there's no way I could have afforded to have a music video of this quality made. But since him and I are like, all right, if I do this for you, it's going to also help. It's it's going to help each other. And so it's financially nothing out of, like, it's not hurting either of us. It's just going to benefit both of us. So, yeah. But it's funny. It is, is there's some funny stuff that happens in that movie. And,. I I want to do music videos for every song. Yeah. I've got 15 songs. Oh, and yeah. so I've been trying to... 
there will be a few of the music videos I've written out scripts that I am actually going to have to film and oh, do so cool, that for. But for a lot of them, I'm hoping I can find kind of more deals like what I just did yeah. with this guy where it's kind of bartering with each other exactly. with promotion. You, you pump up the community as well. Like mm -hmm. That's what I'm, I'm a firm believer in uh, identifying people who not even pursuing the same thing, <clears throat> just pursuing something. And if there's even... Uh, something that I can utilize from them to basically the scratching my back and they're scratching, you know yep. what I mean? Kind of thing. Cause I, I believe, um, that's the, the only way with success is helping others and stuff, you know, but that is so cool. I want to check out that movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, I've never heard of a premise <clears throat> like that before. It's pretty cool. <laughs> and it reminds it, me, it sounds like even reminiscent of like a garden of Eden thing mixed with Eastern philosophies and then that's pretty yep. cool. Yeah. It, it has, a lot of those sort of themes in it and he's doing a web series based really? on that movie right now he's only put out the first episode but what's the web series called is it it's called Starleaf the same name yep and write that down yeah it's it's pretty cool did you tell him about Tacoma the uh oh how he has his own a strain now called Starleaf that just launched <laughs> really? in Tacoma. Now. Oh god. Yeah, yeah. It's this Woo. guy he is he is running with it. I love it. Damn, I love dude, it. That is awesome. Sounds <laughs> like he's putting in work too. Yeah. That's such a good name for mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I definitely I plan on putting some more comedy into videos and stuff too, just because through that, you'll reach out to more people that wouldn't typically yeah, go to your stuff anyways. Oh, that's funny, so I'll watch it. Mm -hmm. And how comedians will talk about real serious stuff in their comedy. Yeah. They're making fun of it and stuff in a way to where it's not trying to discredit what... Much. It's not trying to discredit what they're making fun of. It. It's just using comedy to bring it to people's attention. Yeah, exactly. And I want to do that... But there's a real fine line I have to walk, especially mm -hmm. dealing with the whole flying saucer yeah. world where it's already ridiculed so much that it's, it's a line yeah. of trying to use comedy to bring it out and trying to be good about it and be funny though, but then there's that chance where I could inadvertently kind of just be furthering the agenda of discrediting it exactly and making a joke of it and so <clears throat> i have to find that line and and i think that's what a lot of people end up uh, i don't know i think that's the art of it in a lot of ways yeah the art on top of the art the nuance um because you have a lot of people who even in the com comedic sense or with comedians um with what they portray, it's they're not being serious at all. Or then there's also people who are very serious, like a Rogan, for instance. His comedy is more Dude, that guy's on the a genius. Yeah, exactly, and, and he's more on the serious level too of things. Whereas like a Doug Stanhope isn't, even though he he talks, you know what I mean. Where he's mm -hmm. like making fun of it, and um, he doesn't have any, not to say that he doesn't have any points to put across, but it's just more for laughs, you know. What I mean? Yeah, sure. I imagine with your music though, it might be the same too, where you walk that fine line to um, the message you're trying to portray and the the music side of it as well. Yeah, yeah. So with most of the songs I wrote 
the lyrics prior to there being any music written oh, on top of it. Really? Because it there's times where it's good, there's times where it's bad, kind of writing the lyrics without writing it to music. Yeah, and I've then experienced. having the music written to the words because I always I feel like I have so much stuff I want to say all the mm-hmm. time to where a lot of times I'll write super long lyrics where it's like, Can't man, I need this. to make this a 10 minute song to fit all this in. It's like, I'm not trying to make the song 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. So then you got to start condensing it and kill your children. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, <whoops. laughs> but yeah, that's what I've heard that often killing the babies. Cause that's what with me, I'll have something completely read out and mm-hmm. I, I want to get deep into it. And I just look at it I'm like, Oh, this is too dense. Uh, I got to cut it off and stuff. Like yeah. I only have, even with a, it's poetry or if it's you know some form of storytelling it's like it's so hard sometimes because it is yeah i took a few poetry classes in college and the main thing that they talked about was how to condense it and getting Mm -hmm. rid of all the filler words and stuff like that and like in poetry that works but sometimes when you're writing a song that's meant to be with music you have to have those filler words and all that stuff. What's up, hey, yeah. Boomer? How you doing, man? How's it going? Well, yeah. Excellent. Fine to meet you. Nice to meet you, brother. How's it going, man? Good, good. It's been a while. I know, right? Exactly. <laughs> oh, hi, buddy. Yeah, I. Because that's also with the uh, the timing of the cadence of it, because you use those fillers in certain areas to, uh, what, build tension and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah that. Interest. And. From at least the poetry classes I was taking, they're talking a lot about simplifying stuff, mm-hmm. and and, you know, I so and it's just like you know what I don't want to simplify stuff down to an elementary school. Exactly, level, you know? and that's but that's also the other thing too is where you uh, you question conventions, and that's one of the things um, I guess not to placate you, but that I find interesting mm-hmm. is that. Um, Generally, people will be like, oh, that, that's not, you know, these concepts that you're trying to introduce are not something that would engage people genuinely and question those conventions. And just with poetry, too, it's a lot of people are questioning conventions. What's up, buddy? <laughs> and so this is going to be your first album? Through this band, yeah. I had a couple old death metal bands in the past. Oh, really? I, when I was 15, <laughs> I had a band with some friends, and we called it Cadaver Collection. Cadaver and Collection, <laughs> yeah. Just brutal death metal and <laughs> just horror movie lyrics. Just what? No meaning behind the lyrics. I was just like, I'm going to make the goriest most metal music ever (laughs) so we ran with that for quite some time and then i ended out quitting that band and joining one called sins of a bullet and i was in that for years and years and once i joined that band that's kind of when lyrically i started i mean it was still dark and heavy Mm -hmm. but i was way more into the political side of I see. The conspiracy world, like, that's when I started learning about the Illuminati and stuff yeah. like that. And so that's what I was writing the music about, was starting to see all the real dark stuff that is going on behind the scenes. Uh-huh. And 
making really scary move uh, music yeah. <laughs> about these really scary things. Oh, that's and, cool. uh, and that was fun. We we went on for a long time with that band, and we got to play with some of my favorite bands, and so it had an unfortunate demise, and oh, really? so that's what led me to starting Inquire Within, is it was the lead, one of the guitarists from Sims, mm-hmm. him and I, and then the guitarist from my old band Cadaver Collection, we all were sitting down and when sins broke up we lost our practice space Mm -hmm. where we were able to play really loud music with drums and screaming and all that stuff and we lost the space to where we could do that and so we're just like man we got to keep making music and so all right let's let's try making acoustic and I was like, all right, no, I've never done regular singing before. I've done like 10 years of guttural screaming and noises. <laughs> and so <laughs> I ended out going and taking a bunch of singing lessons. And then I've been taking opera lessons and Whoa. just like, all right, this is what we're going to do. And then I was very confident with holding my own in the death metal community yes. vocally. And I was like, I want to come out with that same level of confidence with regular singing. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we took about four years to finish this damn album. Wow. (laughs) Just crap. Just building pressure pretty much. Yeah, which, as annoying as it was to have it be this way, because the album was initially done like two years ago. And then one of the guitarists he left uh-huh. and so then me and the remaining guitarist were like, all right we gotta kind of rewrite some of the music Ooh. that he was on and then about six months later the other guitarist quit yeah and so then i was just like oh crap it's just me now and i was like what the hell do i do now because i mean i can kind of play guitar i'm not close to the level that those guys were at yeah. and so part of me was like you know what whatever if I'm doing this on my own I'm just gonna start writing all the guitar and everything but from going from having the songs which with such intricate guitar knowing that it was like it would take me years yeah. to be able to write music on the level that my friends were writing music and so I started hiring session musicians from all over the world to oh. help do the album, and then. What were the specifics of that again? Because I keep on forgetting of like where you sourced everything. So the the bass player, he lives in Serbia, <laughs> and uh, there's one of the violin players lives in Spain. Another one is in the U.S. The main cello player, he. I think he currently lives in Germany, but he's lived all over. He used to be part of Juilliard's orchestra, and then he was part of Russian's National Symphony, and so I think he's currently in Germany. Then the piano player's in Germany, and then there's another cello player that's in Malaysia, and then the, the main drummer on the album is in South Africa. 
And then I also somehow managed to get Dirk Fierburen. He's the drummer of Megadeth. What? And so he's on one of the heaviest songs. It's called Cosmic Disclosure. <laughs> and it's a song about there's this show called Cosmic Disclosure. Mm-hmm. That's what most of the album is about. It's this guy, Corey Good, who he's a, a whistleblower who worked in secret space programs. And it's this whole show of him and David Wilcock interviewing other whistleblowers and insiders and stuff. And then just Corey giving his account of all the stuff that was going on. And man, when I found that show, that straight changed my life hearing about all this stuff. And then when I started digging into it and cross-referencing the stuff he was saying with stuff I've heard other people say and it just made me really realize there is some crazy stuff going on and so I know I'm kind of going off all over the place here but uh, that's exactly how I like to keep things yep Um, so back to how with Sins how I was writing mainly political Illuminati type government things (laughs) and there was there was a little bit of that in this album, but initially I wanted it to be happier music, yeah, you know, more positive feeling instruments and stuff. But naturally, I think from a, a lifetime of only playing death metal, and that is definitely my favorite kind of music. Is it really? Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I love indie and I love all sorts of other stuff, but death metal, that's... That's what does it for me. And even on the acoustic songs that ended up coming through because the songs are dark. It's it's acoustic music with beautiful orchestras and stuff going on, but it's yeah, it's definitely it's not something where you can just I'm not gonna say it's gonna make you sad or depressed because that's not at all it. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's not pop. Yeah. That's I guess that's saying. what it is. Yeah. It's not poppy. It's not some upbeat, chill thing. Mm-hmm. And it's super energetic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's even a couple of the acoustic songs where I ended up putting death metal vocals into an acoustic song. And not throughout the whole song, yeah. but I don't know. I think I pulled it off. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm curious to see how people will feel about that one it's and that's one of the there's only three songs on the album where i did write the guitar and that's one of them and so i'm I'm happy with it so hopefully other people are it's not to check it out that seems like a really (laughs) interesting blend too with the acoustics and uh to be able to see your kind of personality shine through it all yeah what kind of um inspired you to i guess for lack of a better word, a contract all these other musicians out. Like, what gave you that idea? It seems pretty interesting because it's uh, with a blend of the different styles mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So, part of it was necessity uh-huh. of the fact that I was like, yeah, I, in my head, I have all these grand things of hearing in my head, man, there should be violin here, there should be cello here, oh. there should be this, there should be that. And to learn any of that. I didn't want to make it computer synthesizer uh, emulations of that. I wanted it to be the real instruments. And so 
I just started searching around online, finding session musicians and just finding people that skill level was still within my budget. And, uh, and so there's definitely some cases where I went well beyond my budget, but I was still happy with the choice. Always make it work in the end though, right? Yep. Yep. And, but another part of that is because there's, there's 15 different people on this album and since almost all of them are from different countries and parts of the world and most of them aren't metal heads and there is a lot of metal on the album so it's cool getting people to go on a song of a style of music that they might not even necessarily like yeah. and so then their style and influence of what they do like comes through and I mean just because it's in the same the right key and scale or whatever yeah. it musically will make sense mm -hmm. but it's every instrument has completely different influences that is so cool and yeah and then not too long after both guitarists were gone dewey he was he was the first one that kind of stepped out from it he came back in and i mean it wasn't any personal any of the guitarist leaving there was no yeah. bad blood or no, wasn't a the personal thing, that thing. I realized a lot of things can happen when yeah. I was initially getting into music that was my kind of issue is that a lot of things did happen where people couldn't show up on time and stuff like that or you know something in their life happened. yeah so I, I completely understand yeah and so thankfully he decided to come back in because Ooh. man there's I will spend my life playing guitar and I won't come close to what that guy can do yeah and I completely understand, like, uh, people within their own natural talents and the amount of time I would have even imagined it with all those kinds of instruments mm -hmm. to be able to even be proficient at those would just it would push that album just so far out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and so since I was doing stuff on my own <clears throat> for a period of time and basically all the guitar tracks of almost every song had to get scrapped. Mm -hmm. There are a couple that I talked to the other guitarist, Kelby, when he left, because I had already paid for us. We had gone to a recording studio and did a couple songs there, and thankfully he was totally cool with me using those guitar tracks that we had already went to a studio and done. Yeah. So he still does have some parts on the album. Oh, cool. But for the rest of the album, pretty much what I did was, since I already had the lyrics and the melodies written out, I just went and recorded just to a metronome, just singing the songs without any music behind it. Oh, and so then I would take just that raw vocal track and I'd send it to a piano player. I'd be like, all right, come up with something for this. Mm-hmm. And then I would take that piano, put it on with the vocals, send that over to a drummer. Uh, I gave him a lot of freedom. Yeah, right there. yeah, and that's huh. I with all of them. I cool. definitely wanted to take a step back, and it's really easy for me to want to have full control yeah, over every I sound because that. when when I write something, I always as I'm writing the lyrics and the music. In my head, I totally hear it going one way, and sometimes 
when it starts going another way, I'm instantly, I'm just like, no, no, that's not what I wanted. But exactly. I'm so glad that I was able to step back and just let all these people do whatever it is that they do. And I'm totally happy with it. And it's some weird music just because how many different people from around the world were jumping in on all these doing their input. And especially since Dewey came back into it. And so there are some songs where he wrote the guitar, then I wrote the lyrics and everything to Mm -hmm. the guitar. And that guy, he's just nuts. (laughs) And I think he's definitely an important part of, I think the overall sound of the music because even though we have super chill acoustic songs with cellos and stuff and then extremely heavy brutal (laughs) death metal and the full spectrum in between there's a few songs that I think in my mind really kind of put the stamp of what the Inquire Within sound is and the title track so the album's called Universe in My Head yes and the song universe in my head it is a trip man (laughs) that is and it it makes sense because everything in my head so trippy yeah exactly uh, the guitar he wrote for it it's it's kind of it's uncomfortable it's but in like a cool way where It's super ambient. There's ambient noises going on in the background. And the vocally, I did like five layers. And so I would do the super deep, like, oh, oh yeah. type stuff. So I, and I would harmonize. So I had have super deep kind of monk style vocals oh, on top of me singing it kind of regular. Oh, so you and, have that like heavy ambiance. Yeah, yeah. So that song has a lot of that going on and then and the guitar it's not distorted it's just super cool ambient effects but then it goes from this super weird kind of chill music mm-hmm. to just slamming in distorted <laughs> guitars just brutal as deep and guttural scream as i can do oh. and then it goes into this really groovy fat breakdown of talking about taking out the Illuminati. That is so awesome! (laughs) And And that's Universe in my head. Yeah. Sorry.
Especially, like, as much as I love death metal and the heavy metal community, it's a bunch of assholes, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to exploring other genres. Is it really? Is it really, like, contrived? Where you there's, have to do it this there's, I, I'm not going to roll the whole metal community yeah, into that. Yeah, of course. It's but, hard to make a blank statement on anything. Yeah. Uh, but, like, one of my favorite bands, Suicide Silence, just the most brutal death metal stuff since their beginning but this album that they just put out a couple weeks back Mm -hmm. is almost completely all clean singing and they'd never done that before and the internet is trying to eat them alive all i mean they still don't get me wrong they're still huge they're going to continue to be huge yeah of course 
I love their new album. I love it so much. But there are so many people that are like, oh, you're not death metal anymore. You should just go away or change your name. Or yeah. you guys suck now. And it's just, if you go and read the comments and the shit people mm. are saying to them, it's just like, chill out. Yeah, These are musicians, exactly. you know, don't. Creating art. Yeah, it's like they made the music that they wanted to make. So why why do you get to be like I mean I guess everyone can say whatever the hell they want yes, but of course. um but it's like what are you trying to do you know like, it, and it's still like I think there's a um, what is it a diffusion of responsibility it might not be a diffusion of responsibility but that's why I'm wrong with that because uh, when people uh, post something like that online because they don't realize that oh these people might actually take this to heart or whatever mm-hmm. it is and, like MMA fighters have that often to where they're looking at that and then they see like, oh, you're a piece of shit, you know, after they lose like a fight or you're weak, you know, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. And it like literally there's a lot of people where it really tears them up inside. Hey, it, it, totally art, with your expressions like, oh, what, what we're doing right now, you know, mm-hmm. this is what true to what we want to do or how we're inspired, so on and so forth. But these people hate it. And that makes it to where it just leaves a bad taste in your mouth. It artists. can. And thankfully, I mean, I can't, I'm not a spokesperson for suicide science, yeah. but uh <laughs> They're they're taking it on the chin like champs. Really? They're, they're going with it because that's the music they wanted to make. That's the music that's true to them, and it's great music. Mm-hmm. It's just people are flipping out because it's not death metal, and that's what everyone expects them to just do death metal. And so that's why I'm glad coming out with this first album that it's not just death metal. There is acoustic. There is all sorts of other stuff. So down the road, people can't come up to be like, oh, you're trying to sell out. You're making acoustic, mm-hmm. chill music now. It's like, no, man. Like This is just all the music. I love so many kinds of music, and I want to make them all. Yeah. Like, on the next album, I don't know. There might be some hip-hop influence on it. I don't mm-hmm. know. There could be folk, whatever. Yeah. I'm down with... Any of it. And I think that's like where you get to the point where you appeal to um, an audience of a cult following of a specific genre. So they listen to something because it's death metal or they listen to something because it's rap. Not because, oh, this sounds really cool mm-hmm. or something like that. And I think that almost touches onto the fo- a form of slight tribalism to where like, you're not a part of, you know what I mean, the things I like anymore? No, I yeah. don't like you. Bad. Kind yeah. Of thing. It's, and yeah. I totally used to be... Because it becomes an identity, I think. Yeah, and in high school and early after high school... You want water? Oh, uh, sure. Thank you. You good for me? Nah, yeah, I'm good. Thanks, buddy. You good, Joey? I was so into death metal... To such an extreme, mm-hmm. I couldn't listen to anything. Yeah, so that's where I think it's, I was, it's an identity and thing. And that, that, that was me. I was that person where sitting in the car with friends yeah. driving some. So, yeah, I just was that guy that mm-hmm. wouldn't listen to anything else, didn't want any part of anything else. And I would just talk crap yeah. about everything that wasn't metal, but thankfully I. Opened my eyes and ears a little bit. And that's what I did, too, is when I was younger. And for me, it was like uh, whatever music anyone else would be listening to. Because for some reason, I felt like I was, I don't know, lame or something when I was younger. If I was listening to, you know, mainstream music. Mm-hmm. And it came to this um, to such a point, I guess it was some weird asphyxiation with alienating myself. Um, but 
was an identity and um, anything that like breached that identity. So if I had an artist that I really enjoyed and then they started deviating from what I considered my identity, mm -hmm. I felt threatened. And I think people feel that a lot. When you're online though and you see those people, I think it's almost like the mm -hmm. concept of a bad review where mm -hmm. more people are more likely to go and put out a bad review than a good one. Yep. So people who, uh, if you consider forums and comment sections like an echo chamber, people who go up there and say, you guys suck because um, that band deviated from, I guess, from that genre or what they feel that genre is, those people are more likely to go on there and say that because they're so, uh, what is it, everyone else is just too busy or too interested in other things. Mm -hmm. And... Um, so you're more often to see these people who subscribe to this identity and then they felt threatened because someone left their tribe or their identity. I see that a lot with yeah. uh, like hip hop, like you sold out and all that other kind of shit and stuff. Like, you know, where they're uh, changing their content matter. And I even see that with hunting too. Someone was riding and they're pulling up deer in the back of a four by four and then they're like, Oh, you're lame. I, I hope this sponsor didn't change you. And it's that form of tribalism, you know. <laughs> I think it's. I got a sponsor now, so. Yeah. So I suck. Exactly. <laughs> and I think it's pretty cool, though, is that you're on, on another account, too, is it goes back to that one thing um, with you're not trying to appeal to conspiracy theorists. You're not trying to appeal to a tribe of any sort, mm -hmm. even uh, genre wise, and trying to expose people to these ideas where they generally wouldn't be interested in them. Yep. And I'm interested, too, in um, what inspired you? It, it seems like, I would imagine this takes up a lot of your time, is <laughs> your art. What mm -hmm. inspired you to dedicate your life to this, to pursue this? Like, a lot of, because a lot of people are like, oh, or I guess, yeah, go for it. You know, that, that is actually a good question. I don't even know if I've ever really thought about that. Um, <laughs> I think... Oh, you can... Okay. Yeah. My... Do you possibly have something really small to uh, to eat? Yeah. Thank you! I completely flubbed, and yeah. Yeah. I brought him less snacks than I ever supposed that he needed. <laughs> oh, yeah! yeah. Say thank you. There. <laughs> so, I know, because I started started doing death metal when I was 15 mm -hmm. and I hated death metal. It's so funny. So I, I went from completely hating and despising death metal <laughs> to just being 100%. That's my idea. Really? Is death metal. And it's because all of my friends that I was hanging out with in high school and like basically all our friends that we all were hanging out with, <laughs> yeah. they were all total metal heads and I couldn't stand that shit man. I was like it's just screaming and uncomprehensible notes and stuff and I was always bashing on it and over time because that's all they were listening to I feel like my brain and my ears had to adjust to be able to handle hearing such fast music and so many notes and so much chaos going on at once that once I was able to kind of hear all the different parts that were going on, I was like, oh my God, these people shit on every other musician. Like, <laughs> yeah. you can't, oh, you can't touch them. Like, you can take, I'm not at all bashing on any other musician, but you can take 
whatever you think your favorite drummer is, like take Neil Peart, dude's a legend, hands down a legend. But if you take someone that is as prestigious and excellent as him, and you try to put him up against, say, like the drummer of Suicide Silence or mm-hmm. one of those bands, no. Sorry, you're you're not gonna hold up there, buddy. You're not gonna hold up there, and then like how you know everyone loves ACDC and their three chords. Yeah, uh, it's like going from growing up listening to rock like that Mm -hmm. to all of a sudden hearing people doing just like 240 BPM sweep arpeggios going up and down the whole neck. Yeah. And then a lot of the time, the person doing the crazy, insane sweeping and guitar stuff is also singing at the same time. And that hurts my brain. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's just so much input at once. Once I started really realizing the amount of talent that goes into this music and realizing... No, that is not just screaming and thrashing around. Mm-hmm. Whichever, there are those bands that do that. Yeah, but that's when all of a sudden I was like, no, this is the holy grail of music right here. <laughs> and all my friends, they were all musicians. They all played guitar, drums, and I didn't play anything. And so then I was like, well, all right, I'll start learning how to do the screaming. And at first, I didn't believe that it was real. I genuinely didn't think people were making those noises. I thought that it was some sort of effect on their voice. I was like, there's no way someone can make such a guttural noise. And so, when I was 15, the first song that we had all made, I was just talking in a super deep voice and then trying to find effects to put on it, I was like, wait, there aren't effects that make that happen. <laughs> and then I was, then I started YouTubing death metal singers, and then I came across the guy Cameron Argon, who he's, he's a, a EDM dubstep guy now. Yeah. Uh, he goes by Big Chocolate. Big Chocolate? <laughs> yeah, dude's, dude is awesome. But he also, he got started by doing a one-man death metal band called Disfiguring the Goddess uh-huh. and the dude's voice is so gnarly and so mm. deep and when I saw him doing such guttural stuff alive, like a YouTube video of him doing his vocals that's when I was like oh that's real people are doing that and I was like if he can do it I'm gonna do it yes. and that's when I just started going balls out with it and I didn't it took me a long time to know that there's actual technique and form to how you're supposed to make these noises and do it safely because mm-hmm. you can snap your vocal cords doing this yeah I've heard and, that there's a couple people where yeah and fry. I at early band practices and stuff my voice was just so dead for like days afterwards I felt like I had strep throat all the time because I was totally doing it wrong and once I started learning like oh well you actually have to do this how you sing it's Mm -hmm. basically you're singing but you're pushing with your diaphragm way harder and in a sense there's a little bit more to it but overall it is super similar to singing 
And even when I started taking opera lessons, that's something where I even more started realizing the similarities between the two, especially between opera style vocals mm-hmm. and pushing out death metal vocals. Isn't opera, so like opera style vocals and then uh, death metal vocals and I don't know what you would call like another form, which like, you know, pop mm-hmm. vocals. Uh, aren't those, wouldn't those all be considered different styles of singing? Am I correct? There or, are, or yeah. Is opera still like, so death metal, because a lot of people would always come to me and they would say, just like what you were saying before, before you realize the nuance of it, is that they're just screaming. And I had a buddy, and he introduced me to kind of the nuances of death metal, and mm-hmm. I realized that there are singing and skill elements of it, and you can actually hear someone who has a beautiful voice yeah. in that style. And so that's that's kind of, so it is a, another form of singing, basically? Yeah, 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 uh, totally. And, but there, I started realizing how similar they all were, and it was funny when I started doing opera lessons, when the first kind of day there when the teacher she was just running up and down the piano trying to find what my range is how low I can go how high I can go and she was like I've never had someone be able to make their voice go so low on their first like day coming in here and so she's like what do you do that makes it so you can do that and I was just like well I've spent like 10 years making the deepest most gnarly noises i can make (laughs) and and it's funny because she's in her 60s or so and total hippie lady it was awesome her and i we get into some intense conspiracy talks wait really so yeah wait did you know that going into it no it was just perfect perfect match (laughs) and uh i started showing her some of my old death metal stuff i mean obviously that's not her thing yeah but i think for her she ended up being able to appreciate being able to do that and when she's like well doesn't that really hurt and now that i know what i'm doing doesn't hurt Mm -hmm. and but i think one of the main differences between death metal vocals and clean singing is i feel like death metal vocals are like the power lifting of singing yeah where you know I could, if I was doing a concert of just singing, I could go for hours, I'd be good. And doing death metal, I, I mean, now I'm, I definitely need to work on my vocal endurance before I start doing shows again, but back when I was doing concerts with my old death metal band, man, after two, three songs, your, your voice and everything is just so tired because it's just going so balls out, but yeah. then it's like, all right. I still got to go another 40 minutes <laughs> oh, <gosh>. <laughs> and it's, it's insane. I feel like the main way that you would be able to actually maintain doing all the super highs and super lows throughout a long set list is if you're someone that tours and is doing this every day yeah. and is just oh, every day God. going for like, like a high hour. level performance athlete yeah, it of is. the vocal cords. Totally. <laughs> and especially in death metal, because on stage and stuff, I was thrashing around. I was jumping in the mosh pit. I was just going crazy. And I'm, I was definitely in the best shape of my life back then because I was on the wrestling team and doing kickboxing and cross country. And so I could have the energy to do all that stuff. And now... Yeah. 
Oh man, <laughs> just what's happening. That's it's a it's a good thing I'm not just jumping right back into the death metal world because <laughs> I don't got the energy right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm I got to get that back because one one thing that I want from this album is because there are death metal songs, there are acoustic songs, there are rock songs, and then there's kind of crossover songs between them all. Mm-hmm. I have enough songs of different styles to where I could do a show with just death metal bands and oh. fit into it. I could do the super heavy songs and it would work. Mm-hmm. But then I could also go do a set with a bunch of indie acoustic yeah. bands and I can go do that. And so, but yeah, before I jump back into that death metal world, I got some exercise yeah. to do. What, <laughs> what do you have to do to uh, like work on vocal endurance? Like, what kind of exercises? It's just like a bunch of just honey doing it. Just really? doing it. Because I mean, I I mean, obviously that's probably the best way is to just do it, like mm-hmm. Shia LaBeouf says, <laughs> just die. <laughs> but um, with. Yeah, with regular singing and stuff, I don't I don't feel like I have an issue endurance-wise yeah. there, but something that I used to do with my old death metal band, especially once we started doing more headlining shows and bigger shows where we're playing longer sets, and because there's a lot of singers in death metal, especially when they do the really deep vocals, Mm-hmm. where they don't move around much on stage because it takes so much energy just to make that noise oh. that then to use energy jumping around and stuff that it will end out affecting your sound. Yeah. But I mean there's also some singers who would rather be more energetic live and exactly. sacrifice the sound of their voice to put on a better show. It's all it's preference. But yeah. uh I wanted to do both. I was like I want to go crazy. <laughs> And maintain all my noises. And so I started jump roping while screaming through our album. So I would just sit (laughs) in the garage and I was just like looking at it as like some rocky thing. And I was like, all right, just jump roping and just having our CD play and just going along with the whole thing. And when I was doing that, yeah, I was able to go nuts on stage. Yeah. Like, I, could, <laughs> I could just run into the mosh pit, start kicking people in the face, jump back up on stage, finish it up. <laughs> just jacked physically and vocally. But, man, I'm not close to that anymore. I've, I've gotten way too lazy. I, I work in a cubicle now. and Oh, really? I'm nearly as active. Yeah, it's easy, man. Like, one, one day off and it's just the pool is real. Regardless, man. Yep. <laughs> no, um, how do you call it? So you've always kind of had this idea of I want to make music, mm-hmm. and that's been kind of the focal point of your life. In terms yeah, of passion. And, yeah, definitely. And like what we were saying earlier, with people making their identity mm-hmm. whatever yeah. genre. And I was for a super long time. My identity was death metal. I was death metal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I exactly. Like, I couldn't handle anything else. You know, I had super long black mohawk, getting <laughs> super satanic tattoos, screaming on stage. And I mean, at our concerts, I would drench myself in movie blood. What? And so it was just like, it would be me 
for this movie Blood, we'd have like zombies and stuff oh, all so over. Glad we get and, so deep into the showmanship of it and <laughs> just going crazy. And I've definitely, over the years, realized that I am more than a death metal head. Yeah, you know, I've. A little bit more to me than that. It's and even I'm, more nuanced and layers yeah, to you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think that's what always what makes things interesting. Because I mean, in the end, we're just an amalgamation of you know bits and pieces. Yes. Even artistically, because what there's I don't know who it is um, who spoke of the concept, but there's no originality. It's just you know taking all your influences in a blender. Yeah. And then that's the result, and it's yeah. And when so with the conspiracy theories. Where did that come in? Have you always been open to that idea or was someone just well, like, bam? I mean, if we're going to go down some weird places now. I like weird yeah. places. <laughs> Give me some no. spaceships so, lizard people. I guess it really kind of started when I was really little. Mm-hmm. I was obsessed with aliens. I uh-huh. even, my teachers would buy me toy aliens because I was always, that was, that was it for me. I was stoked about that stuff. Yeah. And at a young age, I was getting books on... Roswell and Area 51 and stuff and um, then once like in high school when I started digging into conspiracy theories which conspiracy theory is a word made by the CIA to discredit the stuff that those people are talking Mm, about so there's a conspiracy theory and so that that term there's a lot of people in the field that don't like using that word what's the preferred term I don't know, man. It's Idea. a conspiracy theory. <laughs> no, but I don't mean that in a way of discrediting it. Yeah. Because a lot of that stuff ends out years later, being like, oh, yeah, that was a real thing. Yeah. But when I started really digging into that stuff, I was like 15, 16, and oh, okay. I got pretty obsessive with it in, that, in, in a bad way, in the sense to where I was only focusing on all the terrible things humans were doing to each other. Mm-hmm. It's like and, a buffet of just fear and angst. Yeah, and, and yeah. just how greed was the thing behind it all. And I just mm-hmm. became disgusted with humanity, man. And that's a big reason why I was playing such brutal music was because I was like revolted by humanity. Yeah. And <laughs> I was just looking at everyone as parasites killing Earth. Whoa. And... But the more I started digging into conspiracies and stuff, I started coming across the UFO side of it mm-hmm. again. And I had, like when I was a kid, I was super into it, but then That's I kind of forgot about it. And once I started digging into the whole UFO cover up, that's when all of a sudden my whole perspective on humanity started changing because then I started realizing that's connection to consciousness and how that's related to all this and then going into interdimensional stuff and once i started realizing all right if if there's a craft that is to get here from even the closest star system in conventional means with our technology that we know basically even if you were unless you're going faster than the speed of light it's going to take you a long ass time to get here (laughs) yeah and (laughs) So, obviously, if crafts are going to get here, they got to be going faster than the speed of light. And if you're going faster than the speed of light, you're going interdimensional. Mm-hmm. And so, that and to me, and if anyone 
does serious looking into it, you can't deny that there are UFOs and that there are weird alien things going on here. With the internet, the videos that are posted every day of UFOs and stuff, and yes, there's plenty of hoaxes. Yes, well, of plenty of them. But what got me, and I was, I was very skeptical too. Like I wasn't just reading this stuff and being like, "Oh yeah, yeah, that's true," because this, you know, mm-hmm. this government worker said so. Like, no. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, exactly. <laughs> um, there's this documentary that came out. And it's called Sirius, but spelled like the star system S I R I U S. Uh huh. And it's from this guy, Dr. Stephen Greer, and Stephen Greer in 2001 ran a thing called the Disclosure Project, where he got hundreds of top-level FBI, CIA, Air Force, government officials that had the credentials to show, yes, I was in some deep stuff. And they all went to Congress, and this is all on video, one by one. Each person stood in front of the whole U.S. Congress and disclosed all their classified UFO and extraterrestrial information because they're like, this needs to stop being hidden. The world needs to know about this. And so he did that. And then this documentary that I saw called Sirius goes into the history of why it's covered up. And it's covered up because if the world realized that there's technology that doesn't rely on oil mm-hmm. that's the, that's one of the key things is the same people that own the four biggest oil companies own the four biggest banks yeah and the biggest consumer of oil is the military industrial complex mm-hmm. and so we have all these wars over oil to use oil which is funding them and making them these psychotic billionaire trillionaire people and just killing the earth and killing people for that if it was revealed that oh wow these people have reverse engineered UFOs and all this stuff's going on then that would prove to the world in an instant that we don't need any of that stuff we don't need oil we don't need these old technologies that we've been using since the 1800s mm-hmm. and killing the planet over it yeah. and it's a control thing and yeah, once I saw that documentary and started digging into the reasoning why it's covered up and the corruption there, and then also seeing it, all the different accounts of very high-level government people coming out being like, no, we need to get this out, the world needs to know about this, and then how that all ties into the Illuminati or Cabal, whatever you want to call them. Mm-hmm. And then where, where things get real weird... So here you go, podcast world. Yes. <laughs> um, in the documentary series, mm-hmm. there's a thing they call it CE5. CE5. And CE5, there's basically five types of contact. CE1 is like you see a UFO. And I might be wrong on the specifics of these. Yes. And then like the Close Encounters of the Third Kind, which is also the name of a Spielberg movie, is yeah. getting abducted by a UFO or something like that. And then, but CE5 is the one that Stephen Greer and my friend Costa kind of came up with this one. And it's human-initiated contact. What the hell? (laughs) All right. And so, what Stephen Greer does and what Costa Macrias does is they 
for one, it's very deep into meditation. And mm-hmm. so... Wait, deep into meditation? Yeah, so if you look at Schrodinger, uh, the genius dude from the 1800s, like uh, he won a Nobel Prize in some crazy quantum brain stuff that I can't mm-hmm. comprehend. <laughs> but uh, it's the concept of all minds in the universe are one. That basically that we are emanations of consciousness. Like hive mind, pretty much. Um, yeah, okay. and so basically tapping into a source field of information, kind of the holographic universe sort of concept of life didn't create consciousness, consciousness created life. And so a lot of people would call that God or the universe, um, whatever. But getting into deep meditation, and there's plenty of science, it's very credible science about the awesome benefits of meditation, the yeah, healing just, effects of it, everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but then going into remote viewing. And so remote viewing is viewing yourself from... Like astral projection. Yeah, like astral projection. Except astral projection has all these funny connotations to it. But yeah. yeah and so viewing. basically what CE5 is, is getting in a super deep meditation and kind of viewing your place in the universe. So you kind of zoom out, you raise up out of Marysville, then out of Washington, yeah. out of the U.S., out of the planet, out through the Milky Way and stuff, and kind of like a beacon. And then if they're, because extraterrestrials that have this technology and stuff, they're going to be fourth dimensional, and they're going to be able to pick up on consciousness and their technology is consciousness assisted. And if they choose, then they can kind of pop up. And sounds so nuts. I, I know how crazy it yeah, sounds. It's interesting. And so what these people go out and do is there are thousands of people the first Saturday of every month. It's like the global CE five day where at the same time all these people from around the world at the same at the same time will do the meditation and the process, do the whole C E five thing. And there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of UFO videos that are got that people get from doing this mm-hmm. every month, and that's kind of the community that I'm working with, uh, because to me that was something I could put to the test. Yeah. Because I was very skeptical about hearing this stuff is way crazy. Trust me, I know how nuts this sounds, mm-hmm. but it was something I could put to the test. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. watching this documentary, I was already had been practicing meditation for quite a while and so that helped and me and the guys that did the guitar on this project went out on my back deck went through it and then shit you not man this red orb pops up in the sky and then out of this red orb three white lights come out of it Mm -hmm. and then these three white lights start moving around and spiraling around each other in ways that you know it's not an airplane. An airplane's not going to do that. It's not yeah. a satellite because it's not a straight trajectory. Helicopters aren't going to be moving and whipping around as crazy as this stuff was going on. And then jets started flying out from the Everett area uh-huh. towards it. And then those three white lights go back into the red light and then gone. What? And that was our first time trying to do it. And we were like almost crying because there's like, 
oh, this is real. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, it's just completely oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> and so from there, that I started taking the whole UFO world way more serious. Mm-hmm. Because uh, the movie's serious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. And uh, so from there, that's when I started kind of opening up to the way even crazier concepts of getting into reptilians and interdimensional battles. And man, from all the stuff I've been looking into, we are basically living in Star Trek. That is like, (laughs) I'm pretty convinced that's what's going on, man. That is crazy. (laughs) But so with like the, um, the meditation and stuff. Kind of, uh, can you walk me through just how exactly how you go about it for the listener? For, so, like the whole CE5 yeah, process? Yeah, sure. Um, so, if you want to go balls out with it. Get deep. Get deep <laughs> with it. There's, you can get a device that will read electromagnetic signals. So, that way you can kind of scan yourself. Uh-huh. Make sure that you're not having any signal feedback stuff that's interfering with it so something that will basically beep when there's electromagnetic signals coming in and so a lot of people will have that with them because a lot of times when the crafts start popping up it'll make that thing just start going crazy Uh, there's one thing that i just real quick that i have to add is that they believe they might have just figured out that um dogs can see electromagnetic fields now but that's dope. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I was just throwing that out there. But yeah. Yeah. Um, and so like a lot of people will use that, but you don't need to. The main thing is being able to meditate. Meditating okay. is tough. And yeah, so it is. It's something where if, if people want to try to do some weird alien summoning <laughs> stuff, then start meditating, people. And start practicing meditation. Through like the process of the meditating, so what kind of style of meditation is conducive for this? I'm not, I'm not familiar with the different mm-hmm. styles and terms of types of meditation. Yeah. It's just chilling, calming the mind, getting it blank, mm-hmm. and getting to that kind of zen point. Yes. Yeah, and... So getting to that point, but also intent is a big part of it. You got to have a very loving intent with what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, trying to get the UFO stuff exposed. Yeah, and exactly. So you get into that meditation and I mean, it doesn't work every single time, but mm-hmm. most of the time I've had some weird lights dancing around in the sky. That's like crazy. one time there was like 10 little balls of light up in the sky just spiraling going crazy and Mm -hmm. my little sister i mean my whole family i think they probably think i'm nuts (laughs) understandably but (laughs) i ran inside and i had to grab my little sister i was like you need to come see this so you know that what i'm saying is what's actually going on yeah and so she comes running outside with me and there's just all these white orbs just doing all this crazy stuff and what'd you do she's like i think she's like well what do we do i was like (laughs) i don't know we just watch (laughs) 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 but uh, a better way if people are interested in this 
watch the documentary called Sirius, spelled S-I-R-I-U-S. It's, uh, you can watch it for free on Netflix and on YouTube. Or you can go to etletstalk.com. E.T. Let's Talk. Yeah, and that's okay. my friend Costa, who he used to work with Stephen Greer and helped come up with all this stuff. Um, he runs that website, and it's about teaching people how to do it. And it's also where people submit a lot of their reports of what's happened. And oh, okay. Kind of the organized hub of it where there's just teams from around the world that check in on it and stuff. Oh, it's nuts. Cool. Yeah, dude. Oh. And <laughs> so let's talk. once I got into that, like I said, then I kind of started opening up to, all right, there might be even more deep, crazy stuff going on. Mm-hmm. And that's when I came across the work of Corey Good and David Wilcock and their show Cosmic Disclosure, where they talk about real deep stuff. In that show, it's not on like regular TV. It's on the yoga brand Gaia. They make like the yoga mats. Oh, yeah, I used to see that on like uh, Roku. Mm-hmm. I think oh, it was one of like the apps or whatever. Yep. And they started their own internet TV channel where there's tons and tons of different shows in regards to health or conspiracy. Oh. A lot of yoga stuff, but then also a lot of health stuff, a lot of naturopathic stuff. Tons of shows and documentaries through that, and there's the show Cosmic Disclosure on it, and that's where they just get super deep into the most extreme stuff I've ever heard in my life. Really? Like, yeah. Wait, like, give me an example. Like, <laughs> the solar system being quarantined by giant sphere beings that what? are trapping the Illuminati in here oh, till we can shit. get them taken care of, so like... They can't escape. They're stuck here till it's done. I'm saying this is the level of stuff that it goes into, and I know how intense that all sounds. But it gets so deep. But they lay it out there. Really? Then there's this other show on it called Wisdom Teachings, where it goes way more into the science and the evidence. Uh, Cosmic Disclosure. They they do lay out a lot of evidence and cross-referencing, but... That show, I don't think its intent is to be the total, here's the complete evidence of everything I'm saying type thing. But then there's this show Wisdom Teachings on there where David Wilcock goes super deep into the science of consciousness and all these different subjects. But he gets legit science, stuff that's won Nobel Prizes and not fringe studies yeah. legit evidence of stuff best and to be skeptical and to pick it apart yeah and the show it's kind of like college lectures in the sense of he'll take one topic spread it out over four or five episodes so he can go like yeah seriously like a college lecture of going piece by piece the real hard science that is beyond my brain mm-hmm. yeah but exactly. he lays it out as best as he possibly can for people that don't have an education okay. in quantum mechanics, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because that stuff is so yeah. dense, man. Jesus. But also in that show, he goes a lot into the evidence of conspiracy theories yeah. and stuff and how that all ties together and how everything's connected in the sense of whether it be UFOs, consciousness, the Illuminati, mm-hmm. 
interdimensional stuff, it ties how all these different things are related and part of each other. I see. And man, it's too much. Yeah, exactly. It's way it's too like, much, uh, man. No, it makes my brain blow up. <laughs> but basically, the whole album is written about serious cosmic disclosure and wisdom teachings, and then my own experiences in regards to these topics. That's interesting. And, and basically, so you're, you're condensing it and making it palatable for everybody. That is... So yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. So that's kind of a goal of mine is to put all this wild stuff into mm-hmm. some cool music, make some really cool music videos, some funny music videos, <laughs> yes. some whatever, and be so people be like, that dude's nuts. <laughs> I don't know what the hell he is saying. <laughs> But I'm gonna look into it. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm just hoping to get people to do your own research. Don't take my word on any of this. That'd be cool. And yeah. I like that too. The do your own research. Yeah. Don't thing. believe a thing I say. Look it up yourself. Exactly. And Always be skeptical. Yeah. And because yeah. that's how I got into it. I was super skeptical about it all. But once I started looking into the stuff that I thought was just so crazy, the stuff that most people, even a lot of people that are into the conspiracy and UFO world. Yeah. I started digging into the stuff that even a lot of them would be like, no, that's way too crazy. Yeah. That could be happening. But it's once I started digging into the weirdest, strangest Twilight Zone corners of all this stuff mm-hmm. is when I was like, oh man, there's there's something going on here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you see the reality of it and the patterns. Yep. It's crazy, man. But I think that, that's, um, what do you call it? When I was young, I got deep into a lot of the conspiracy theories with the Bilderbergs and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, man, that ties into the whole UFO thing, too. Yeah, really? It does? Oh, I yeah, dude. They're, they're oh, part shit. of... That whole, that's part of the whole cover-up is all those people. So, in there, uh, Bilderbergs, I take it, is one of the four that you spoke of earlier with the uh, oil in the bank, correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, what are the other three? There's Rothschilds, Rockefellers, um, the whatever family owns... J.P. Moore, no, not J.P. Moore, no. <laughs> <laughs> Wells Fargo, whoever's involved with that, cool. and yeah, probably that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Off the top of my head, I'm not gonna. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if it's yeah, but but it's intense. So that's definitely, crazy. and that's like another thing where I know I talk about all these super intense topics, mm-hmm. and rightfully so, people are gonna be like. Well, what's the evidence to that? Like, yeah. if you're going to say this stuff, back it up. Mm-hmm. And I think an issue that I have is I just every day, I'm just so all over the place looking into and reading so many different stuff mm-hmm. that a lot of the times, if someone was to ask me one of those real deep questions, that yeah. is an important question. I'm just like drawing blanks because I'm like, oh. See, I've got a billion things going on up here. Yeah, Crap, where, where's the thing I need to grab? Then I think that's the biggest problem that uh, a lot of people have. Once again, not placate you, um, but uh, with music and stuff mm-hmm. like that, because the reality of it all is, is that we connect. Like even with a doctor, for instance, it's kind of a little tangential, but um, the doctor doesn't have enough time to actually understand uh, all of the new medicine that comes out or anything like that or any natural treatments or you know historic treatments for whatever it may be so when someone comes in from the west coast with Lyme disease like bitch you don't got Lyme disease I've never seen anyone with Lyme disease over here I don't need to study that 
Yeah. And so I think with an I can understand how it would be difficult to be able to have like faxes ready because most of us don't even have time to even look into things like to mm-hmm. be to even get into conspiracies um, without once again being subscribing to that tribe or doing that as a hobby. You, no one has a moment to where they're going online and they're compelled to look at a conspiracy. And uh, so I think that's kind of what we're all looking for is these condensed versions that get us at least interested and give us not even just the baseline, but give us a you know, decent understanding of yeah. a condensed amount of time. Because the reality of it is, is we don't all have time to explore huge, sweeping fucking concepts. Yeah, and it it is very time-consuming. If you want to be someone that really tries to dig into these deepest corners of it, Mm -hmm. man, pretty much what helps me do it is at work. I just have the different videos and podcasts. Yeah. Playing through my phone so I can just listen to it, even though I can't like watch it. Mm -hmm. I'm at least listening to it, and so, and sometimes I feel like it's to a point of not being healthy of just always listening (laughs) to this stuff. Problem where it was like (laughs) at one point in time I'd be listening to potty or (laughs) 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 podcasting audiobooks uh, from waking to sleep. Okay, because like not literally, but pretty close all day at work. Then when I get home, I just. I do, you know, podcasting or I'm writing and stuff like that. I'm just listening to content. And it's like, oh, but at the same time, if I want all the things that I'm interested, if I want to pursue any of them, that's it, my only option is to just, like, cram every orifice, or every opening that I have, whether it's, yeah, <laughs> that's what I feel like. It's like some chicken and all her old stuff, but with my eyes and my ears and everything to be able to learn as much as I can, because I don't have enough time for mm-hmm. all of these things. And I'm interested to see how you're going to pull it off with that one song for that snippet. I enjoyed that because it did get to its points for what I saw, even though it was, you know, a small um, snippet of the song, but to portray these broad and sweeping ideas in these condensed yeah and little three minute snippets of it that's the art of it and that'll be really cool how it comes out though and i'm really excited to share it with people when it does come out Mm -hmm. i appreciate that yeah and what do your collaborators think about that with with, did you come to them and say that obviously they know your lyrics if you're sending them you know Mm -hmm. uh, samples but did you were they like did they have any not yeah, opinion or any ideas on the I've, content? Like, oh, actually, no, I haven't talked to them about mm-hmm. that other than my two friends that did the guitar. And yeah. I mean, Kelby, who he he's not in the band anymore, but him and I, every time we would hang out, we would just spend hours just getting Dude. into these conversations. Like we would call it our our poof talks because poof talks. because we would get like so deep into talking into existence that we felt like we were just gonna poof out of reality we we're just like oh yeah. we just discovered the matrix now we're gonna vanish <laughs> like <laughs> and, me up. and uh and then dewey and i i talked to him about this stuff quite a bit and he's he's not as into it definitely I mean, there's not many people that get as yeah. into it as i get with it but uh i think uh with some various projects that I've recently been brought on to in regards to the UFO community when I was I lived with Dewey also when I was telling him about that 
he's just like, man, you better not have some weird people showing up at our doors uh, looking for it. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I guess black, <laughs> black suit, black oh, glasses. Man. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know, man. Going on this path, it has so cool. opened up a lot of cool opportunities for me. I've been popping up in regards to the UFO world, and I do want to end up being kind of like a a member of that, like someone people can look into to find out more stuff. But I'm also not going to be someone who like reveals crazy information yeah. that's mm-hmm. going to get me murdered. Yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's, that's what I think is interesting too is uh, the transition from, like we kind of spoke about it before the podcast, but uh, the transition from, you know, I'm a consumer mm-hmm. or just an observer and then to a producer in a lot of ways with a lot of people they look at uh, a musician, or artist of anything, or someone who creates product, and they're like, "How oh, did that guy? That guy is, you know, he's special, or he's an exception, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, or he knew all these people." In reality, it's none of that. It's just he kept doing it, or she kept doing it, and then, oh, here, hold on, sweetie, leave me alone, okay? The um, and the act of just doing it created this momentum and then all of a sudden there's credibility and then you're looking at that you become that you become taken serious and then you have all these projects and all of a sudden you're looking around you're like how did i get here yeah it's yeah it's a trip man it is and that's something that's been kind of blowing my mind is through the facebook page how much Mm -hmm. it's taken off and now i'm getting messages from people asking me questions about all this stuff and it's like Man, I'm like as much as I read into this stuff, like there's a lot better people than me That's, to yeah. explain it. And so, kind of what I'm doing with the music, and just when people come up to me and start asking me these super intense questions, there there are some of them that I feel like I can't answer. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, I'm just pointing people to the direction of where I got the information. Exactly. And because those people will do a hell of a lot better job than I will yep. at making sense of all this. Yes. So, yeah, that's, I don't know, that's my journey right That now. is so cool, though. And then I got a uh, just a little side note for the podcast listeners Ooh. to maybe convince you to buy the album. Dun, 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 dun. Here's my pitch. I am contracted with Trees for the Future which is an organization that mainly works out of Africa. And so a portion of every album sale and every t-shirt sale will plant five trees and also help provide education to local farmers and African communities on how to revitalize their crops and soils so they can grow better crops to feed their communities. And so a portion of... All the money I make off of this will be going towards that. And the album, it's done being recorded. It should this next week be done with the mixing and mastering. And then, so I'm hoping in the next couple weeks to set up the pre-order. Oh! So, it's been four years of waiting for this shit. Pressure is finally about here. Oh Um, my gosh. And... Yeah, I'm going to be putting out that 
music video we were talking yeah. about earlier. That that the day that I uh, do the pre-order, I'll put that music video out. And yes, buy my shit, people. <laughs> <laughs> buy it now, you freaks. Yeah. And where would they actually? Where would they go about pre-ordering that stuff? So basically, the best advice I can give is just add the Facebook page, Inquire Within. Uh, but once it's out, it will be on iTunes. It'll be on Amazon. It'll be on Spotify. It'll be on Pandora. It's gonna be on like 300 online retailers. So yes. So you'll be able to find it wherever. Oh my gosh, this will be exciting, man! I can't wait to listen to it too. I'm excited. Yes. And then, do you have a uh, YouTube? There, yeah, I do have. I have a YouTube channel made. I don't have anything on it uh-huh. at this point, but. You can find it probably through the Facebook, and especially once I put up the music video. But I do plan on doing a lot more with the YouTube than just music videos. I spend way too much of my life watching prank videos. Because <laughs> like that's how I stay sane when I look into all this crazy stuff. I gotta balance it out and just watch something really funny yeah. to yeah. chill out. <laughs> and so I do want to. I've got quite a few different prank ideas oh, that I want yeah. to start doing and then I've got some other like web series things that I want to start doing so I'm hoping sometime this year to start doing a lot of stuff with YouTube yeah but I haven't fun. done that yet maybe <laughs> even do do some like uh, not lectures but yeah just doing some uh, audio versions kind of going in deep on your stuff yeah yeah, yeah something I wanted I wanted to start doing like a YouTube channel of interviewing musicians mm-hmm. and oh, people cool. also within the conspiracy world. Just kind of my own little talk show type thing. Yeah. But especially with the musicians and like the death metal artists where, you know, I've seen a billion interviews with all of them and for the most part mm-hmm. it's pretty regurgitated questions. Yeah. And I wanna yeah, the interview I wanna suck. I wanna dig into what they think about all this crazy exactly. stuff. Exactly. Yeah, that would be cool. So that's something that I want to start doing soon. So that's we'll what see I'm if excited that works about. Out. The next Nardwar. What's that? The next Nardwar. Nardwar. What the hell is that? He's a really good interviewer. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's really? a good name. Yeah, yeah it sounds like the Narwhal. <laughs> that's what I was. Yeah, I was like, wait, Narwhals. All right. Yeah. But. <laughs> that's what I'm really excited about. This low barrier of entry into um, any kind of media, really. Is because if you look at a lot of <laughs> interviewers, um, just asking just the most retarded questions that I've ever seen in my life it, on TV and stuff, mm-hmm. you know, like, um, whoa, why are you so old making music? And just I've just seen just retarded shit spewed things that I'm not interested in. And it's these other these questions, it's conspiracy theories, or just you know pursuit of happiness, any of those things that. Um, masking because it's relevant to me or mm-hmm. you know people that I talk to and not because I think people are going to want to tune into something like that and I think we're getting places more with uh, other podcasts and um, with musicians and stuff like that because people are just they're trying to express themselves and they're trying to broach ideas that they think are very important to themselves because you know now if you have a good idea you put it up online and if it is a good idea people will support you yep that's what i'm excited about and yeah fucks i hope you support <laughs> inquire within thank, thank you. you much and we're gonna do a part two um yeah